motivational gifts, of which there are seven motivational gifts. And, and as I said to you, I, as far as my approach to it, I, I believe that there are motivational gifts, I believe there are ministry gifts, and I believe there are manifestation gifts. We've spent the last weeks going through each of the seven motivational gifts in order to help you, hopefully, to be able to understand what the characteristics and what the problems and challenges might be for each gift so that you could identify what your spiritual gift is, what your motivational gift is. It will help you immensely to know how God equipped you and how he blessed you with that gift and how that relates to others. And so we've taken week by week and gone through it. And I hope that you have all of those. This is a, a group of seven. There are seven motivational gifts. Each of those motivational gifts has a handout to it. Okay. Now I asked Janice to bring some of those handouts here tonight. Uh, that might be one of the last few times. Maybe we'll do it one more time. But uh, if you don't have one of these seven, if you don't have seven of them, then uh, look her up and try to pick out the one you don't have so that you can have all seven of the motivational gifts. It'll help you at other times to go through and read about it and see about those characteristics and, and, uh, and the challenges to this. All right. Now, in regard to that, tonight is probably one of the more helpful uh, times that we'll spend together regarding motivational gifts and relationships. Because basically what we've done is we've put the puzzle together, or put the puzzle pieces out there, okay? All seven of those motivational gifts are a piece of the puzzle that God brings together to put us together as the family of God to bring the pieces together so that we can be effective in the kingdom work. Every church has every one of those gifts. Somebody has one of those gifts. Every church has that. I mean, because we're all equipped together to be the body of Christ. And so he's going to bless us and have that. So each of you has or is a piece of that puzzle. But now coming together, how do we, how do we relate to each other? How, how do we work together? How do we accomplish God's kingdom? And let me, let me just say this to you. Uh, you know, just real frankly in regard to it, one of the difficulties in church and one of the instruments the old Satan can use to keep the church from being effective is to cause there to be division and frustration in the church because we don't know how to work together. We, we, don't, we don't know how to appreciate each other's gift and to understand that God made them different than he made me. But if we all work together and we all bring our gifts then we're going to be something far better together than we ever could individually, all right? And so what we have to do is learn how do you get alone? How do you work together? How does it, how does it fit together? And if you can grasp that and understand that, and the first part of that is understanding who you are and understanding how you see things. If you do that, then God's able to put together a wonderful team that can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God, all right? So in saying that, I want to talk to you tonight about the interrelational activities of motivational gifts. I, I'm, going to give, I'm giving you four illustrations, okay? And let's walk through those together. Four illustrations of how gifted people who are gifted in different ways, each one of those gifts represented, how they approach things, how they see things, uh, 
differently than one another, okay? And before I do that, I want to just briefly go through the seven gifts, and I want to talk about the aptitude. You remember the aptitude is that one thing, what are they apt to do? So I want to remind you of that as we go through it. Prophecy has the aptitude to speak. You remember that? Service is the aptitude to help. Teaching is the aptitude to know. Exhortation is the aptitude to share. Giving is the aptitude for providing. Administration is the aptitude for overseeing. And mercy is the aptitude for pity. For pity. Now those are the aptitudes. Now let's look at these four little scenarios of how people work together. The first is there's a church project. And the church project is to build a new building. All right? Bless, that's a wonderful thing when you get to build a new building. Okay? And you put the committee together and the team together of how we're going to build this building and we're going to be gifted in different ways. Well, I want you to notice at this assignment, there are seven people, each one of them having one of the motivational gifts. How will it work? We're going to go in the order of how we presented the gifts. The prophet, in relationship to building a building, here's what he says. Is this the right thing to do? Is this God's perfect will for our fellowship? He's not thinking about brick and mortar. (laughs) He's not thinking about the cost. He's not thinking about how it's going to get done. That prophet's thinking, is this God's will? Should we be doing this to start with? It's, It's fulfilling God's purpose. All right. The service says, what can I do to get this project accomplished and the building built? Remember, the servant people are the ones who what? While everybody's talking, they're rolling up their sleeves, getting ready to go. What what can I do? What can I go do to build this building? The teaching person says, what does God's word say about building a place for his worship? Teacher wants to know what God's word says. Remember, they're in the word. What does God's word say about this building? Are we doing this the right way? Is this, is this the promise God gives to us? Exhortation. How can we encourage everyone to get involved and to be used effectively by God? Do you see that exhortation gift? What do we want to do? We want everybody. Come on now, everybody. Let's all get involved. And if we'll all get involved, we can... We can get this thing done quickly and we get it done effectively. We're going to encourage them to be a part. Look at giving. How much should I give in order to see this building built? All right. Or how can we encourage others to learn the joy of giving? What is the giving gift? To provide. That giving person says, man, I know it's going to take a bunch of money. It's going to take a lot of money to build this building. So what do I need to do? I need to find out what does God want me to give? I need to lead the way in giving. What does he want me to give? And, and also, how can I encourage other people to join in this project and to give and experience the joy of the Lord? Because there's great joy in giving. All right? Look at the person who is administration. As far as I can see, these are the basic steps we need to take to build it. Administration is what? What does it take to get it done? What's the order it needs to be done in and what needs to be done first and second? And how? 
I, as far as I see, this is what we need to be doing. This is the plan that needs to be fulfilled. That's administrator, all right? And then you have the mercy person. Listen now. We need to make sure we do not get so busy building that we forget people. You ever run across a mercy person? That's exactly what they'd say. Now, hold on a second. We've we got to remember, God doesn't care about buildings near as much as he cares about people. So if we get so busy thinking about buildings, we're forgetting about people. We need to make sure we don't forget about people. People are hurting out there. We need to help them. Man, I'm telling you, if you take that illustration and that point of building a building, those seven motivations, it's a pretty good picture of how they interrelate. Do you see why? You see why when they come together in the meeting, <laughs> that there's, there's potential that one might not agree with the other one? Is, you know, one, one saying, let's roll up our sleeve and get going, and, and the other one say, well, hold on, before we do that, we need to find out if this is God's will or not. This is God's will. We don't, we don't need necessarily. Administrator says, well, this is what we need to do, A, B, C, and D. And Mercy says, wait a minute, you just got to put, what about taking care of the people while all this building's going on? You see? And, and, and no one's wrong. They all have their giftedness. They all have that thing that God placed in their heart. And all of them play a role to find the balance that allows the church to build the building to care for the people and to do it the best way and provide for it. If you put all those things together and it works well, what a blessing that is. All right? That's the first illustration. Look at the second illustration. The ministry gift of teaching accomplished by various motivational gifts. In other words, here's the Sunday school teacher or, or the devotional leader. Okay? Here. Prophet, number one. We'll usually use the lecture mode and focus on the class as a whole. Notice where I'm standing behind a lectern. <laughs> we'll usually have strong convictions and soapboxes from which to preach and tend to be more evangelistic and burdened for lost people. All right? That's the, that's the prophet over there. So when they're teaching, they're not gonna, it's not going to be group discussion. It's not going to be... Open-ended questions, it's going to be teaching from the lectern and sharing what we've studied and letting you know what that, what's happening and making sure anybody in this class who doesn't know Jesus has a chance to know Jesus. And we're, we're going to focus on those things. Okay, that's the prophet. Look at the service person. Service. Personally involved with particular needs of class members. They seek to involve their class in service opportunities Recognize special dates in the lives of class members. That is a perfect illustration of the service person. Now listen, y'all. We can't just come in here and study the Bible. All right? We just can't come study the Bible. I mean, we got to put some feet to our faith. We need to get out here. So I've got this project that we need to do. I've got this ministry project. I've been looking for it for a while, and I found this ministry project. And I need for all of y'all to meet me Saturday. And we're going to do this ministry probably. We're going to serve somebody. That's what we're going to do. All right? And by the way, when we come Saturday, it's Mary Ann's birthday, so I'm going to have a cake for her. We're going to all have cake while we're doing that service. Who in the world remembers Mary Ann's birthday? A service person. They remember the special days. That thing that's important to people. All right? Look at the third one. The teacher. Many details and much information given to the class. 
They seldom get off the subject and deal directly with the text. They may not be motivated by particular needs or practical applications. They, they have studied all week long. They've got their stuff together, and they're going to give the information. They're going to have the charts on the board. They're going to have maps on the walls. They're going to have all this stuff, and we're going to focus on that. And we don't have time to chase rabbits. We've got too much going on now. A prophet sometimes will get a rabbit and a soapbox and start chasing that all over the place. But teachers are not. They'll quickly say, let's, let's get right back. Let's get on the subject. We need to talk about what we're doing on the subject, okay? They have got the details, and they're, they're, they're not motivated about practical needs, particular needs, or practical application. We're gonna, we want you to know the text. When we get out, we don't want you to know the Bible. Now, we don't necessarily know if you know how to apply it, but we want you to know it. All right? Look at exhortation. Interested in spiritual needs and struggles of members. The class will be practical with advice about how to handle given situations. Christian life issues more than evangelism. If you go into an exhorter's class, they may not be focusing on whether or not that person is lost or saved. They're there to help that believer to grow in Christ. Okay, And they're going to have practical application. They will have eight things on the board, these eight things you need to do to straighten out your life. There, there are eight of them. Now, if you do all eight of these things right here, your life will be good. It'll be good. And they're going to focus on the practical things, encouraging people to do those things, and handling given situations. They're just going to do that. Look at giving. They will usually sponsor class projects and parties and pay bills. <laughs> okay. Hey, they've got they've got some money. They've got so they're gonna use that money. So we all we we want you to come over to our house. Don't bring a thing. We're gonna provide everything for y'all. Y'all just come on over to the house. We want you to do that. And by the way, we want to be able to sponsor a child in Uganda. And I'd appreciate y'all helping. And if you don't, I'll just pay for them. Um, we'll make sure we do it for our class. But if y'all'd like to join in, that'd be good. You you'll have a joyful heart. If you do that, but I just want you to know, if you don't help me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover it anyway. All right? That's the giver. They have joy in giving. They're not usually the strongest Bible teachers. Okay, they're, they're, not, they're not usually the strongest in that. Okay, wait, wait a second. Look about administration. Organize the class to get work done effectively. Now, this person is going to have a president in the class, an outreach leader in their class, Going to have a prayer coordinator, going to have a, a social person who's going to plan all the fellowship. They have got it organized to the hilt. I'm just, they've got their class organized to, and to the point they know what they're supposed to be doing. Okay? Now, look. Look to the long term effectiveness of the class. They prefer to see the total ministry of the class rather than just Bible study. They want a functioning machine. They want to know that if I'm not there on a Sunday, everything in this class will keep going. I just won't be there. Everything's going to keep going. They're all going to do their jobs. We're all going to have that done, and I'll have somebody to fill in for me and will not, will not miss a beat in regard to that. I don't know who the Bible teacher is going to be, and, but we're going, to, we, we're going to have one. Okay? We're going to have one. Organize. Organize. Okay. What about the mercy person? Strong desire to listen to members, here it is, and pray with them and cry with them. Appeal to others 
who are sensitive in spirit usually do not meet the needs of those less sensitive. Application of lesson to remove the hurts of members. Their application in almost every Bible story is going to be to try to make somebody feel better. To try to minister to that hurting person. Their whole audience primarily is to help hurting people feel better. Okay? Hurting people feel better. Now, I, when I'm saying this, I haven't been in any of your Sunday school classes. You know, as far as that, I don't know what you teach like or if you're a teacher. I always, I'm not talking about you. Don't come up to me after and say, are you talking about me? I don't, I'm not talking about you. Okay? I don't know who you are. What, what? But uh, if you've ever been in a class with these people, you, you'll know, you, you can identify who they are. And the one is the mercy person. This is, this is the person who's the mercy person. Out of their hour in class, about 40 minutes is going to be taking prayer requests. Taking prayer requests and praying. And then it ends up about 10 minutes of Bible study time. Now why is that? Because the most important thing for them is somebody's hurting. Somebody has a need. Somebody needs to pray for that person. Help them. And that's, that's really who they are. Okay, That's where they are. And so... You'll know that one, you'll know the organizer, you'll know the prophets, you'll know the everyone. You'll see them, and you can probably see you. If not, if you teach a class, just ask somebody, hey, hey, oh, you see this list right here? When I'm teaching over the next month or so, I want you to think, which one of these people do you think I'm more like? I'll guarantee you, your class will know who you're like. They do. You don't have to plan, you have to think about it, it's just who you are. Remember, your motivational gift is not what you're doing. It's who you are. You can't help who you are. That's just who you are. It's the way God made you, all right? Now, here's the third illustration. If seven people represented each of the motivational gifts met to organize an ideal church, wow, here's what each one of them would probably emphasize, all right? What we need in our church, the prophet, preaching that exposes sin, Proclaims righteousness and holy living and warning of judgment to come. That's the prophet, all right? The service person. Practical assistance to each member of the church to encourage him and to help him fulfill his responsibilities. We need to help everybody in the church. Teaching. In-depth Bible studies and strong doctrinal messages. We want to be in the Word. We want to know what the doctors are. We need to go through the Baptist faith and message quarterly. So we know what we, know what we believe. That's what we need to do. All right? Exhortation. Personal counseling and encouragement for each member to assist him in applying scriptural principles to his daily living. In other words, we need to make sure we have a counseling ministry. And it's such counseling that they come alongside of everybody... And they help them to achieve their goals and become the Christian they ought to be giving. Generous programs of financial assistance to missionaries and other ministries. The giver says, we need to give. We need to give. We need to support all these ministries. Listen, administration. Smooth running organization throughout the church so that every phase will be carried out decently and in order. We need better administration. Better administration. And then mercy. Special outreach and concern for the precise and varying feelings of individuals with a readiness to meet their needs. All right? Now, I want to tell you, 
Well, if you, you, you don't sit where I sit, but if you're ever on a pulpit committee or search committee or something like that, whenever, you, whenever you're on that committee and, and they're coming to interview you as the pastor or potential pastor or anything else, that's really a, that's really a fun experience because, it, well, it's more of a funny experience to tell you the truth about that because what, what they have is when they come in, they've asked everybody, taking surveys in the church of everybody, what do we want in a pastor? What do we want in a pastor? Now think about that, okay? We all have different motivational gifts, right? We all emphasize different things because we were put together that way. So we're going to have a survey of what are we looking for in a pastor, okay? I mean, you just go down the list. We want a strong pulpit presence. They need to be a good preacher. But, but then, then also, they need to be a hard worker. Get out there and roll up their sleeves and do what? Work with everybody. We need to do more ministry around here. And, and, and by the way, they need to know and have a doctor's degree and they need to do doctrinal studies. And we need to have January Bible studies. And we need to make sure we spend our time to decipher so that everything knows it. But they're also a good counselor. They got they not be able to love people and counsel people. And by, by the way, we expect them to be givers. They need to tithe and, and they need to give above that, be examples of giving and encourage our people. We need more money in the church, so they need to encourage people to give. And, and, they, and administration, our church is in a mess right now. Nobody knows what is going on and we don't have any communication going on. We're just disorganized. And we, we, need, we need an administrative pastor. And by the way, we want somebody who cries with us and who loves on us and who has feelings with us. And that, that's all we want. Is that, is, that, is that much to ask? That's all we want, just that. All we want is, is a guy who rips back his shirt and says, SP, super preacher. And by the way, we'd like him to have 30 years experience, but not be but 30. How that happens, I don't know, but. Do you see, do you see how people emphasize different things of what is important? Because that's the way God put them together. And, and they're a vital part of the church. It's just one person's not going to be all that to anybody. Now, I gave you, those are kind of all serious ones. I gave you a funny one, all right? You need to look like you need, y'all like y'all need a smile. Y'all, 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 like y'all, y'all had a rough week, you had a rough week. Your dog bites you or something? Like you need to laugh a little bit. So I gave you a funny one back here on the very back. It says, if each of the seven gifts were represented in a family and someone just dropped the dessert on the floor. Has that ever happened in your family? They just dropped the dessert on the floor. Here is what each one might say. The prophet says, that's what happens when you're not careful. <laughs> Motivation to correct his life. Service. Oh, let me help you clean it up. Motivation to fulfill a need. The teaching. The reason that fell is that it was too heavy on one side. <laughs> Motivation to discover why it happened. Exhortation. Next time, let's serve the dessert with the meal. Motivation to correct the future. Giving. 
I'll be happy to buy a new dessert. Huh, motivation. To give to a tangible need. Administration. Jim, would you get the mop? Sue, please help it pick, pick it up. And Mary, help me prepare some other dessert. Motivation. Achieve the immediate goal of the group. And then mercy. Don't feel badly. It could have happened to anyone. Motivation. To relieve embarrassment. Now that one probably speaks to you more than anywhere else. Because that, that, that's just really practical and exact. Do, do you know anybody in your family? Do you know anybody that you work with? You know somebody in your church? Your Sunday school class? That whenever you heard what they said, that gift said about that experience of dropping the dessert, you think, yeah, I know who that is. I know which one that is. I know where they would be in relationship to that. Why is that? Because that's their giftedness. They didn't plan it. They plan, well, when he dropped the dessert, this is how I'm going to respond. They don't plan it. It's just a natural response because that's their aptitude. That's their aptitude, and God gave them that giftedness, all right? Now, it would be helpful probably to go through this before you ever went through the motivational gifts. But you can't do that because you don't know what the motivational gifts are to start with. You have to put the piece of the puzzle together so that you can put the puzzle together. And go back and look at each one of the motivational gifts and all of those characteristics and the things you have struggled with and things that are, are misunderstood at times and those kind of Look at all the things and then go back and look at this again. And you'll be able to see how those pieces of the puzzle fit together and with a goal for you to come to understand who you are and why and how you respond to those things that happen in your life just like somebody else would. All right? Thank you, Lord, for a chance for us to laugh together, to fellowship together, but above everything else, discover who we are in Christ, that we might be used effectively and be in right relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest.